0: The Athletic. I'm sorry, you can sit there and look and play with all your silly machines as much as you like.
1: Is Gascoigne going to have a crack? He is, you know. Oh, I thought! Found-
0: to tame and tame and tame again Crank up the music Charge a glass This nation is going to dance all night
1: An astonishing twist to the Birds of a Feather theme tune saga The so-called Eurovision Big Five The long-awaited justification for the old Just needs one to go off his backside classic, Gary Weaver's playoff resurgence, the true definition of going down in instalments, Alistair Campbell's inexplicable football crime novel and Keys and Grey talk PPDA. Brought to your ears by The Athletic, this is Football Clichés.
2: Hello everyone and welcome to episode 162 of Football Clichés. I'm Adam Hurry. And with me first of all is Charlie Eckosher, the voice you just heard, in fact. A cliche's pod centurion. Well done.
1: Thank you. And the, the extra suspense after we jumped the gun for the previous episode. So to mm. finally get here is uh it's a very proud moment.
2: Quite the classy touch from me letting you do the intro, actually. Um but no competition for what was the Mark Noble weekend of class, which just never stopped. What was yeah. the classiest bit for you, Charlie? <laughs>
1: <laughs> there was there, it was it was so classy and I think as people have pointed out, there was a lot of competition for, you know, whether it was a classy touch, a nice touch, et cetera, et cetera. Mm. The, the, the sweeping, the cleaning up was was surely pretty hard to beat.
2: Too much irony there because they knew what they were doing. wasn't wasn't instinctively classy enough.
1: But they did know that what they were doing, but they still did think it was an unbelievably classy touch, no? <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah.
2: Yeah, definitely. Even in his last game, still stopping to clean up the dressing room. I thought... Perhaps the high point was uh, Shrevezy interviewing in a pie and mash shop, which was a real tap-in, I thought. Yeah, real classy stuff. But yeah, it went on uncomfortably long. I mean, I'm sure he deserves it from a West Ham perspective, but it just felt odd for us all to be participating in it for an entire weekend. Participating in this podcast, however, is David
3: Walker. How's it going? Very good. I did enjoy the, um, the Shrevezy and Mark Noble uh, pie and mash dinner date. Confirming our previously held suspicions that they are two peas from the same pod, they do indeed get on very well. Uh, but Shrevesy also brought up the pie and mash in his post match interview uh, with okay. Noble. When he, when he, he the, his like, his final question was, because Noble had said, you know, I want to think about my future, I'm going to have to go away on holiday and, and whatnot, and just have, have some time with the family. And Shrevesy went, have some pie and mash. And Noble <laughs> went, like, nah, nah, I've got to wash my weight, Jeff. Yeah, yeah,
1: that, yeah that was good. He uh,
2: it does. It's, it's not a joke and matter. Footballers post-retirement, real problem. I suspect, Dave, that Sky's real investment in this only leads to Mark Noble joining the panel. for I can see him sort of joining kind of the second tier fixture
3: panel lineup. I think he might be a little bit, nah, punditry's not for me, guys. I, I could see him being a coach, a, a real earnest coach, maybe doing the odd one, like the yeah, odd big West yeah. Ham game.
1: But not a regular. Or could even be a Monday Night Football, a sort of one-off. Uh, he, he's had an unbelievable career, 475 appearances, Mark. And he's
2: pure Monday yeah, Night Football, he has to. I, I think that um, feels right. Uh, but he was, there is also a, a, a touch of technical earlier prowler about him as well, so I wouldn't be massively surprised to see him have a stab at management. You, you can
1: imagine him even, even him as, as a coach like. well there being a, a speech he gives, that goes an inspirational speech that goes viral a la Scott Parker.
2: Scott Parker has blazed the trail yeah. for this, definitely.
1: Yeah. Um,
3: I don't know if he has quite the intensity, but almost. But I think, like Scott Parker and John Terry, similarly, I think he, he's not, not going to all of a sudden pitch up at Colchester next season as their boss. He'll do, I think he'll do two or three years as a really sort of earnest number two. West Ham Academy, though, mm. as well. Yeah.
2: Seeing the youngsters through. Yeah. Yeah.
3: Big, big Premier League TV like, productions. You know, you've got him segment on that. So he'd fit in nicely with Kevin Nolan and Stuart Pearce on that coaching team, wouldn't he?
2: Maybe England B, manager of England B, (laughs) assistant manager of England B. That's pretty Mark Nobly, definitely. Let's take this opportunity, of course, to let everybody know, if you don't know already, about the Football Clichés live show that is happening this July at the Rio Cinema in London's East End. (laughs) (laughs) Is it? Don't know. Um, Yeah, just about, uh, sort of, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's fine. It is, yeah. Uh, tickets are selling like the footballing equivalent of hotcakes. I wrote this in square brackets on the running order. And I couldn't think of what a footballing equivalent of hotcakes would be. What goes quickly? What gets sold quickly in football? Would it world? be like a, if it's uh, a new signings
1: shirt shirt yeah. sales? Yeah,
2: mm. bang
3: on. Harlan, yeah. Harlan shirts are going like hotcakes. We're exploiting the f-
2: uh, Far East London market <laughs> for our tickets. Yeah, uh, yeah, no, but seriously, there are only a few tickets left, so do snap them up. And uh, this, we're we're part of the Goals Allowed Podcast Festival alongside your Guardian Football Weeklies, your Set Piece Menus, your Under the Coshes, and the like. Curious one though, Dave. At the Rio Cinema, they've listed us as rated 12A. Uh, right,
3: I mean, that's about right. Yeah, Well, 12. Inclusive. I do have to quite frequently label the episodes as explicit. Oh, goodness. <laughs> so, yeah, maybe, maybe we're even a 15.
2: Mild peril. <laughs> May contain scenes of mild peril. Um But, yeah, just Google uh, football cliches Rio Cinema and go from there if you do fancy seeing us in the flesh. Uh, but, yeah, expect more of the same, uh, but with a visual element. Exactly. Thank God we can we can bring you... Football cliches in a 360 degree environment. Look forward to it. Very excited. It's going to be great fun. Go to goalsallowed.co.uk for details and join us on July the 7th at the Rio Cinema. Um, Let's get on to the serious matters of the adjudication panel today. I didn't know where to put this in the running order. Um, As always with these sorts of things, I told Dave instantly out of excitement and then realised I should at least leave it from Charlie for just... Temporarily, just to surprise him with this, I didn't know where to put it in the running order because it is already the climax of this episode. I think it's for me, it's right up there with the Three Lions revelations of the summer. It's astonishing scenes via listener Orban, who has directed me towards a fifteen-year-old YouTube video from the Conference South clash between Bishop Stortford and Histon on the twenty-first of April two thousand and seven. At the time of recording, Charlie, this video has had 584 views on YouTube, which is a pitiful number, and I really hope it goes up because what a hidden gem it is. Cue the Bishop Stortford fans.
1: What? That's incredible!
2: us to the punch by 15 years. There's nothing wow. left. There's no nothing can be left, can be turned into fans. And
1: sorry, was this a one-off? Is this their go-to
2: anthem? Don't know. They do play in blue. I can confirm. So
3: everything works. God, it's all come together. They've done that particularly football-y fan thing that annoy that, that annoys me. If I was ever on Mesut at Harlem Dicks, one of my things would one of my annoyances would be football fans who Sing songs in the wrong time. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> it's too up tempo, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. Gotta give me some. Yeah.
2: Um yeah. yeah. there's a real kind of there's a kind of clip to every word, Charlie, that is very football fan. It isn't just the speed at which they do, it says, oh, up to yeah, yeah. Yeah,
1: yeah, <laughs> That is funny you say that, Dave, because I was thinking that the other week. A slightly different one, but was related to football chanting. And and we've had it before, haven't we? I think Ellis James had one. Um that that's quite a universal thing that winds people up. But yeah, that's uh that's extraordinary.
2: It's amazing. Can't wait for uh,
1: several hundred people to be singing this in a uh-huh. cinema in London
3: this summer. Um, but yeah, that's that's the benchmark that's set. It's low, but we'll, we'll go higher than that. But yeah, brilliant news. Have we got enough money in the budget to get uh, Linda Robson and Pauline Quer to <laughs> come and sing it live Just on stage for us? Someone wave to the crowd. <laughs> Just a
2: list of a list of comedy fantasy guests that we might would like to. Um, invite to this evening yeah um, next up all eyes were glued of course to Eurovision this weekend but um, as many of us know you have to pre-qualify for this these days and uh, so let's go back to the semi-finals on BBC 3 and uh, Rylan giving it some serious mid-level football chat as he described the format
1: so while you get your phones out here's this year's entry from
3: Austria, Austria!
1: now a quick reminder that out of 17 acts tonight only 10 We'll be going through to Saturday's grand final. We'll join in the so-called Big Five. Last year's winners, Italy, plus France, Germany, Spain and the UK. The so called Big Five <laughs> of Eurovision. Even then it has to have
0: the
2: caveat, I, Charlie. It's I was gonna brilliant.
1: say I'd be curious to know how it's written down, if there's a similar kind of um, culture war over the uh, the inverted commas, the capitalization. Need some data on that.
3: Why are they why are they the so called big five in Eurovision? Not sure. I mean, I like the fact that
2: it mirrors the football big five leagues as well. I mean, yeah, if you if you assume that England represents the UK in this in this uh, construct, but of course you know there are plenty of other countries involved. Here's Graham Norton on finals night, channeling his inner Richard Keys as he introduces the Australian entry.
1: After we see Sheldon Riley, <laughs> Sheldon, Sheldon, Sheldon Riley. Riley, he's got to go. So many people, Sheldon Riley. I, I, I hope a lot of people picked up on that because that's so uh, that's so clear cut. <laughs> Yeah, James we thought Fennett we were rid
3: of It turns out his son, oh, Sheldon. Sheldon. <laughs> Thank
2: you to James Fenner and many others for pointing that one out. Yeah, just, yeah, the Richard Keyes tombra really pervading the rest of culture. Uh, next up, um, we always enjoy some urging to shoot, but it's always been a mass participation thing, Dave. Um, yeah. Always good to hear a lone, young voice Getting in on the act. This is from Daniel Becker as Dundee United searched for an equaliser against Celtic last week.
0: It's a
3: Brilliant! Slightly
2: rewarded. Just bang it, Dave.
3: Yeah, that's great. Was that was that some some sort of like club TV kind of alternative angle footage? There wasn't the broadcast, but it was yeah, great. And it is lovely to see it rewarded, as you say. <laughs> it worked slightly better in a, in a Scottish accent, as as many things do, Charlie. Absolutely. Just bang
2: it! Extra 10% of urging in that one. Um, Next up, Charlie, you really will enjoy this. This is from Ryan Richardson, and it is a confirmation once and for all of a cliché classic. He says, Hibernian's James Scott, who's on loan from Hull, only had one goal all season in 19 appearances. Scored with his arse today and went on to get a hat trick. Possibly the best ever example of a striker who evidently just needed one to go in off his arse. It's brilliant. I've studied the footage. There's an element of hip involved, I have to say. Right. But it is essentially arse.
3: So, can you and describe the goal?
2: Ball swung in from the right and um, he's either misjudged it or think the defender's going to get it. He's got his back to goal and the ball goes in off his left hip past the flailing goalkeeper and he celebrates in the sort of almost semi-apologetic style that you would imagine. For a goal like that, but went on to went on to score a hat trick, nonetheless.
3: Wow. That is—it's a, a shame that he didn't celebrate by slapping his ass. Mm.
2: So I'm polishing it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> when was the last time you saw a boot polishing celebration? I mean, it is naff, Charlie. I, I wouldn't ever condone it, but it does seem to have gone out of fashion. It really has gone out of fashion. What was the what's what's the usual motivation for a boot polishing? Is it because that guy's got a great, particularly notably great left or right foot, or that they've scored one? Unexpectedly, with I that, think it can
1: be either. I think sometimes it was done sort of ironically for a fullback who might pop up with one or two a season, scores a yeah. worldie and then, and then all the other players are like, oh, I can't believe it. And they're sort of yeah doing the polishing and the tying the laces, I feel, as well sometimes.
2: Oh, yeah. Um Dave, off the top of your, off the very top of your head, mm. who is the most boot polishing Premier League footballer at this very moment because I feel feel like it's (laughs) too jovial for De Bruyne so he wouldn't get a boot polishing because I feel like I can't imagine him joining in with the fun with it so who's getting their boot polished Salah James Ward Prowse.
3: I was going to say James Madison, but yeah, I think he's in the same category. So you know, a, a technician who scores spectacular goals, but with a you know, in a nice fashion.
2: Madison's a good shout. I yeah. can imagine
3: having his boot polished and enjoying it in the process. And really, the problem is these days you can't really polish most of the modern boots, can you? Well,
2: none of the players know how to do it, <laughs> do <did> they? Because <laughs> like you know, when I was growing up, going through the academy. I would I would polish the first team players, which they give me a bit of money at Christmas and and that sort of thing. That you know they get they get everything. Yeah, out, they they, they turn, turn up in a fancy
1: car that. and you know all of, mm, all of that stuff. Mm, yeah, was yeah. it before he moved to? I can imagine Grealish while at Villa have, having this done to him, having his boot polished. Oh, uh, yeah. You know, uh, yeah, after yeah. a sensational goal and his sort of his minions yeah. come and do it. Yes, yeah, it's a, a talisman, mm, definitely. Exactly.
2: Uh, unless, unless it's done for comedy value uh, with a fullback. Listener Jamie asks quite simply: Has a footballer ever been asked where does this trophy rank, etc., cetera, etc.? Cetera, without saying, yeah, it's right up there. <laughs> There's no other <laughs> answer. It, it is a stupid question. It is, it is a stupid question in in the in the afterglow of victory to ask them where they would rank it in all their successes.
3: Yeah, unless I'm thinking of the other other alternative would be if the interviewer has for some reason not quite done their research or thought about the question and they'd be like well there was the Champions League but I mean otherwise (laughs) yeah it's right up there
2: this could go to any sorts of logical extensions Charlie I mean someone like where does this European Super Cup rank in your achievements. Well, does it count? As a, I mean, it counts <laughs> yeah. as a trophy, but is it a final? I mean, I I don't <laughs> know, Jeff. Where,
1: yeah, where is this Super Cup? Let's not Let's not go down that wormhole again. But yeah, yeah, it's
2: right up there. It's very much the catch-all for this, Jamie. You're, you're completely right. Next up, a real return to form, a resurgence. This is Gary Weaver, Playoffs Edition.
0: Nottingham Forest, make the first move! They've breached the ring of steel around this part of the steel city. It doesn't happen often these days, but Sheffield United have a problem on their own turf.
2: Without saying the magic words, Charlie, he's skirted around it, but he really has delivered steel.
1: Yeah, I think that's uh, that's almost more planting a The I mean, the, the language is just so um, historical reenactment. I mean, you can just imagine him picturing them all in their sort of armoury. Um, yeah, lovely stuff. And, and playoff couldn't be more Weaver as well somehow. It feels yeah. so his, his kind of occasion. High pressure, mm. high stakes. Absolutely right. And
2: that
3: was just the first leg. Imagine what it's going to be like in the return. Can, well, that's interesting though, isn't it? Because in the two-legged game, the battle has already begun in a way. So he can't... Can he, can he use plant your flag sort of thing? Do you see what I mean? Like They're mm. already fighting. Yeah. flags will have already been planted territory's mm. already been breached, but it's another but it's a separate battle I think
1: i, I, I think it, I think it's it's a, it's a new on uh, this midweek the returning game will be a, a different battle right and so the 2 legged thing is the war yeah exactly the, the tie yeah. is the war, and then it's a different mm. battle um for for a different front agreed
2: um speaking of two-legged ties I enjoyed um Huddersfield Dwayne Holmes in his interview after their first leg against Luton describing it as a a game of two legs <laughs> Um, which you do not I've never heard before Uh, unimpeachable logic happy with that don't mind it Um, which
3: which is a nice variation on well you know it's only half time isn't it Mm. Jeff yeah exactly
2: so it's like a slip of the tongue but uh, he styled it out actually yeah he landed on his feet with that one perfectly fine Uh, meanwhile at Bramall Lane um, someone was spotted in the crowd and it was TV quiz ace Mark Lebet (laughs) I saw saw this
0: there's a man who's used to chasing and Sheffield United chasing this tie here watching on
3: (laughs) (laughs) yep is he used to chasing sort of good
2: little link between the TV programme and the situation but honestly honestly how can you have a noted quiz champion on the screen in front of you and not wheel out there's a man who knows a thing or two I know just that now, not about anything, just a man who knows a thing or two. That's it. Could have done it, would have been brilliant. I and think the podcast would have ended. It, would
3: oh, no? yeah. Yeah, yeah. And it would have been, well, Nottingham Forest are asking all the questions here this yeah. afternoon. And there's a man who knows a thing or two about answering them. Could do with him out there, couldn't they, Charlie? Actually, I don't know how good he would be, but still, good target man. They could have done in
2: the
1: sense of, yeah, if they want to ask difficult questions, which is surely what a playoff's all about, Then, yeah. Uh, then yeah, absolutely.
2: Yeah, but otherwise, yeah. But yeah, strong stuff from Gary Weaver. <laughs> Hope you save some for the second leg. Um, next up from Tiger Miger, who was watching Arbroath versus Inverness on Friday night, Dave. And he says the BBC's Michael Stewart described Inverness Caledonian thistle keeper Mark Ridges as going down in instalments when half-diving for a shot that was drifting wide. Surely this is reserved only for when goalkeepers catch the ball and go to the ground via their knees in a bid to waste time. No way, says Will Tucker in reply. Going down in instalments has always meant a goalkeeper taking an age to get down to a shot. In fact, says Travelling Teacher, in the dead language of wronglish, this was also applied to bad dives slash simulation. Yes, that's what I... Where do you stand,
3: Dave? That's where I was going to go with it. That's what sprung to Mm. mind in... For me, it was, yeah, a really poor dive that was going down too slowly or, yeah, maybe rolls around a bit at the end or whatever. Yeah.
2: Mm. Yeah, the clincher for this, Charlie, is that, that when you deliver that line, it has gone down in installments there. And you wouldn't use it that derisively for a goalkeeper making sense, No, so.
1: and I think C also so went down in stages for, for mm. uh, a, a, a slightly unconvincing dive. Um, but yeah, no, I'm absolutely, um, that that's simulation for me.
2: I'm not dead against it, Dave, for a goalkeeper kind of going down slowly to save a shot, but it kind of serves no purpose, really. Um, All you're doing is basically criticising their
3: action, which is kind of a waste of time. That's the thing, because with with a dive, you're criticising it. It's justified criticism. Hmm. You're sort of punching down. But with the goalkeepers, you're kind of just having a needless dig at their slightly shoddy technique yeah you can't just can't just throw any installments willy-nilly yeah simulation
2: only please unless it was a particularly awkward dive from the goalkeeper this is great this is great Uh, Charlie of course UEFA have agreed a new format for the Champions League starting from 2024 you will have heard yes Um, Sky Sports News got stuck into this in great detail last week They wheeled out their chief correspondent, uh, Kavya Solikol, to explain how this is all going to go down. And um, once he'd explained it, Charlie, he began to kind of express a little bit of um, regret that it wasn't like the old days. And uh, Sky Sports news presenter, Vicky Gomesol, just got all carried away. Is this good news or bad news, do you think? If you are a
0: traditionalist, I think it's bad news. Mm. Uh, I remember the days when we had the European Cup. And only the champions. Mm, so the champions, yeah. Only the it. champions would get into it. <laughs> yeah. uh, this whole
2: league. Two things here, Charlie. First of all, the fact that Cave does not break stride, doesn't react to it whatsoever. That's quite mean. Secondly, falling foul of the golden rule. If you're going to do it, you've got to do it properly. You've got to. Yeah.
1: I'm
2: very disappointed in Vicky Gomez. But I
1: think that ties into the fact that Vicky, it's almost like an involuntary urge that just takes <laughs> over her. I, I don't think it's, uh, yeah. you know, I don't think she's thinking, oh, I want to sing. It just, it just happens. But said I think, it, yeah. did you said it. Did you repeat
3: it? Yeah. I think she sort of has to pull back, though. She probably, her urge is probably to do, but then she remembers, mm. I'm on Sky Sports News. I can't just start going, <laughs> the <It's> champions!
2: Just... <laughs> It does tail off, doesn't
3: it?
1: Yeah, she—it's like she quickly realizes where she is. It's like, but but also, yeah, this isn't GB News. You can't just do what you like. <laughs> it Also, doesn't really prove any point, given also, that we still we haven't sing. got the rights. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, we, <laughs> quick word in her ear—you can't sing that. It just has to be stills of the Champions League. Remember. <laughs> Um
2: oh, the karaoke version of the yeah 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 work, yeah, yeah, yeah. Theme tune. with one of those really weird that,
1: videos, yeah. one of those really weird <laughs> fake videos going on. But also, it doesn't really. I mean, that that's still sung now when it's teams that come mm. forth. It's not like that was only mm. reserved for when it was just the champions. But
2: yeah, it wasn't. I feel bad for digging so deep into this when, as you say, Charlie, it was just pure instinct. <laughs> that's just how indoctrinated we've become by the Champions League. We just sing the mm. we just sing the theme tune out loud randomly. I do sympathise, but yeah, just a lovely moment of. of of release on Sky Sports News. don't get to see it too often.
0: Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover,
2: everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right.
1: courtside seats to an nba game and more head over to michelopeultra.com slash courtside to learn more oh look at that
0: that is wonderful brought to your ears by the athletic this is football cliches
2: thanks a friend of the show Seamus O'Reilly for this he would be much better placed as a man who examines football-based literature almost for a living um, but you'll have to you'll have to do You'll have to make do with me. Um, Dave, did you know that in 2018... Former number 10 spin ace Alistair Campbell co-wrote a football-slash-IRA
3: thriller. I actually think I might have known that. I'm remembering that now. i deleted it from my brain. but I think I worked on a radio show where he came in to promote said book. <laughs> right. Um, Charlie, have you heard about this? No, I haven't.
2: Would you like me to read you the um, synopsis of this book? Yes, please. Football manager Charlie Gordon is struggling with one defeat after another at the club he loves. Only a decent cup run is keeping him in work, but tensions are running close to the surface ahead of the next round. Chelsea away. Footballers fall into two categories, artists or assassins. Soon, Charlie is going to find out which players can deliver and just how much pressure they can all stand. Meanwhile, as the country prepares for a general election, one of the most dangerous political assassinations in the IRA's history is being planned in London. An active service unit await the critical signal to proceed. Both sides will converge on the capital for a result that will shake everyone's lives, with consequences far beyond football. So you've got an idea mm-hmm. of what's going on here, two parallel storylines, mm-hmm. football very much the hook, this kind of historical terrorism thriller storyline. What do you think this book was called, Charlie? What would you call this I book? I mean, f-
1: full time. Or... Would you? Would you call it Saturday Bloody Saturday? Fucking hell. <laughs> Seriously. It's called Saturday Bloody Saturday. That is not where I would have gone with it, no. How was that received? Um, was there a backlash? I can tell you how it was received. Um,
2: I think the best place to judge how it was received is the promotional quotes on the back of the book. Johnny Giles, Ron Harris, Bertie Ahern all offer their kind words for the publication of this book. But I think this is my favourite one. A gripping combination of football as we used to know it, and terrorism as we still know it. And no, I didn't anticipate the explosive climax. Delia Smith. Oh my god! <laughs> uh, I don't think we're particularly qualified to dig too deep on this day, but it is, on the face of it, astonishing. Uh, yeah, uh, mind blown, I have to say. Delia. I can't say the title out loud anymore. No. I can't believe it. Can't believe it. Um, if you want to know more about this book, do tap up Seamus O'Reilly, who <laughs> will talk to you at length about this. He found it as astonishing as I do, but he's a much better place to pass comment on it. Let's put it that way. Speaking of Alistair Campbell, Um, by
1: the way, there was quite a Football Clichés-esque section of his podcast, The Rest is Politics, this week, where they debated hmm. when a gate becomes a gate. And I thought that was the... As in a, a scandal, gate. yeah, party beer gate, gate, party gate, exactly, oh. yeah, mm. which I thought was quite a uh, political equivalent of football cliches.
2: Yeah, um, if you do visit the um, Wikipedia page, list of controversies that earned the suffix "gate." There is a sporting section which is woefully maintained. <laughs> oh really? I should say. It it, it it leaves out some of the very, very high profile ones who I who I have actually, funnily enough, forgotten. And it adds in really tenuous ones that clearly didn't earn gates. They were just there. It, they're really, really sick. It's a really bad Wikipedia page. And trust me, I've
3: seen some bad Wikipedia pages. Is is Pizzagate on there? That's that springs to mind as the most famous footballing gate to me.
2: Right, yeah, yeah, okay, okay. Let's do this then. Just to illustrate just how badly maintained this page actually is. Uh, We'll do a little sort of sudden death penalty shootout style format. I want you to name a sporting gate, and I'll tell you if it's there or not. And the first person to fall foul of the sudden death format is the loser. Okay. Dave, you can go first.
3: Uh, It's it's just a quick clarification. Sporting, so not just football.
2: Not just football. You can have other ones if you like. I'll open it up.
3: But I will go with football first, and the one that sprang to mind first to me was Pizzagate.
2: Pizzagate is there. Brackets, also known as the Battle of the Buffet, two thousand and four. Charlie. Uh,
1: lasagna gate. It's not there. You lose. I mean, lasagna gate. That is. Was it a gate? Absurd. Was it a gate? Lasagna gate is a Stonewall gate.
2: I don't think I really ever heard it referred to as lasagna gate.
1: Well, what? come on. I no,
3: I think it is. What else is it referred to as? Lasagna for the what? Lasagna.
1: The lasagna game? 2017, Tottenham's lasagna gate against West Ham remembered on Sky Sports. I think it is a gate. Mm. To be fair, Charlie, I think it is a gate, yeah. Uh, yeah. As recently as yesterday on the Daily Star, Antonio Conte details Tottenham virus with worried fans having flashback to lasagna gate. Fair enough. I mean, anything earns a gate these days, as the Wikipedia page
2: implies. But I have to say the the final word on this should go to spurs.fandom.com wiki, which has a whole section on lasagna gate. So lasagna gate, yeah, deserves a place, but it's not there. It is not there. Right, glad we solved that one. Let's go back to some more solid ground for us. Matt Feast, with his first ever contribution to the Football Clichés podcast, was listening to the BBC Radio 5 Live coverage of the North London Derby last week. And um, he thinks that Matthew Upson's usage of this phrase was a little bit too on the beach. Wow, just under siege at the moment, this Arsenal defence, and they're not coping. I mean, I thought there was too
0: much space for, for Harry Kane to get this shot off. But there's a blot from Gabriel who steps in and
1: then the ball floated to the back post. Emerson Royale arriving, whether or not Martinelli, who's in and around the vicinity, just does enough to, to put him
2: off getting clean contact. On the Charlie, board. I don't think you can be in and around the vicinity. I think you have, you have to have some rules and regulations here.
1: Well, you're sort of doubling up there. In and around. If you're in the vicinity, that's done the job of in and around. Um, you, you've, you've done it too much there. It's incredibly vague there. Yeah.
2: Still, still very wet behind the ears in a punditry sense, Matthew Upton, so he has time. Is he Matt or Matthew or Matty now? I think it's Matthew. I think they, they give him Matthew, don't they? Mm. Well, if you're going to be a Matthew, you've got to get these things right on BBC Radio 5 Live. If that man was a novice in and arounding, Dave, this man is the master Jarmo Willems writes in and says, I've just had Andy Townsend with the best use of in and around on the build-up of the FA Cup final on TalkSport, referring to the final as a positive thing in and around these difficult times. <laughs> no way. He can't beat him. He can't <laughs> beat him. That's <laughs> utterly ludicrous. In and around these difficult times. Which... Do you think he's still talking about COVID? Yeah. Uh, it's hard to yeah. know when people say that uh, now. I guess COVID. COVID and Ukraine. Cost of living. Yeah. Ukraine. yeah. Cost of living. Yeah, I mean, there's an extra layer to it now. Mm. Oh, God. It's hard to... There's going to be a point at which if someone says it, you're not going to be sure what they mean. I think we're getting close to that point. So uh, careful,
1: everybody. We do often get sent the, the geographical ones, which are fair enough. In and around can they be are. used. You know, there are yeah. some instances where it is quite a handy thing to use, but it's been so damaged by these ludicrous ones. But you know, mm. let's don't don't be you know, if you are you know doing a leaflet about a, a small area, feel free to use it in and around. Yeah, absolutely fine. Yeah, just make sure you nail it. That's all I'm saying. Jimmy
2: Lager writes in Dave. <laughs> a real name. <laughs> Quick question for the panel, he says. I've recently been given a Bath City away kit. Signed by the whole squad. I would like to wear the shirt proudly at a future game, Mm -hmm. but a fellow City fan has strongly suggested to me that signed shirts can only be framed and must never be worn at a game. Does the panel feel it's ever acceptable to wear a signed shirt at a game? Um, Instinct says
3: no, Dave. Yeah, I have to agree there. I I don't think you can wear a signed shirt. It looks weird. You know, you're you're sort of saying that you don't care about Mm. the signatures because you're very much endangering them being smudged or coming off or spilled something on them. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I'd be more anxious on their behalf. Like, you Mm. sure you want to be doing that? Like, you're going to get smudges. Yeah, as you say, you might need to wash it. Get that framed. You'd have to wash it, presumably, maybe th- after you've worn maybe it. Maybe we could employ some sort of threshold here, Charlie. If it's been signed by
2: one player, I feel like it might be all right. But if it's been signed by the whole squad, it's going to be covered in signatures. It's not going to mm. be a very nice thing to wear. Mm. I think fundamentally, you take the sentiment out of it. You basically just got—it's sh- like the last
3: day of school. Yeah. <laughs> the the only thing that really is acceptable to wear it's not even an item of clothing that that is signed is a is is a cast on your leg or your arm yeah anything else Agreed. is not designed they they when you when you see a footballer signing a shirt and they get you to pull it tight so they can sign it like that's how it's supposed to be viewed. Tight. If you wear it, like mm. the signatures will get obscured, and you know, it's just no. It's not. That's not. That's not the point. And presumably, you will actually have to then go and wash it, which is a real,
2: real palaver. Yeah. I mean, both of you have very diplomatically skirted around this, but shouldn't we also say, Charlie, that if you you just shouldn't wear, you shouldn't wear a signed shirt. It makes you look like you're trying to show it off to people that you've had your shirt. Sign. There's that. Mm. We've skirted around that, but it's also yeah. True, there's isn't that it?
3: element to it. Mm. Maybe you know we can give it. Maybe could, you could you could let off somebody who was, I say, under the age of nine, <laughs> okay. eight or nine, like a small yeah, child.
1: That's fine. Uh, fine. But, but then, then I'm then thinking I, they're I, being bad. Question the, question
3: the parenting. Yeah,
1: exactly. Yeah. I'm thinking that's irresponsible on a number of levels.
2: <laughs> what if you get it signed at the game? Do you have to take it off before you go home? That's that's allowed, but you have to go straight home and then take it off and frame it. Absolutely right. Final question for this week is from Mark Luscombe. If Everton had got a third player sent off, how should the on-screen graphics have shown the third red card on Sky Sports? There was no space left under the EVE. When was the last time in a televised game the same team got three or more players sent off? Don't know the answers to the second question, Charlie, though. But um, but yeah, there was sort of, they had two red bars for their two red cards. Where does the third one go?
1: Really good question. Could you go under?
2: I'd say under and to the left, like sort of Tetris
3: yeah. style. There was no space. Was there for a third horizontal?
2: Well, some people speculated that you could have had three horizontals, but then you're into kind of you know standard definition viewers would have been really struggling to see mm. the three distinct lines underneath the EVE. I, I do not Do you think Sky even know what they would do or did they have to make it up on the hoof?
3: Yeah, I mean, how many games have there ever been with three red cards for one team in Premier League history? There can't be many, can there?
2: Certainly not in the red card appearing under the team name on the screen era.
3: And was the Battle of Bramall Lane was that FA Cup?
1: That wasn't Premier League. Certainly wouldn't have had the or graphic issues.
3: League. Yeah.
2: Mm, yeah. No, um, no worries there. Uh,
3: could you think about it another way and do it in anticipation of this have one one little red card with a number in it.
1: Yeah, I was thinking that. It, would that be a way around mm. it also don't haven't we spoken before about where they've even got the minute of the red card as well which is squeezing in quite a lot of what, detail in the graphic in the
3: corner yeah where? I think it was when?
1: a foreign broadcaster presumably somewhere where they, they start the clock again at zero for the second half oh yeah do you nonsense. remember they used to do that with La Liga what's wrong with other yeah, countries they'd have that, what's wrong they'd have that two wouldn't they denoting second half and then 30 partido they, two th- dos. 37 minutes partido gone partido dos load really of rubbish absolute
2: minute. rubbish Do so they not talk about 90 minutes over there what's, what's going on yeah as, as a freeze frame Everton 2 Brentford 3 two red cards underneath Everton's name did had a real games had it all mm. kind of vibe to it so it, it's been a welcome addition to the TV graphic I think I think we can all agree it, it's a valuable addition I don't want minutes I don't need numbers nothing else don't need Partido dos. don't need any of that nonsense God, um, oh, what, a, what a Richard Kesey thing to say <laughs> sorry um, fittingly though it is time for keys and grey corner <laughs>
0: On Super Sunday. In a rare
2: outing for Keys and Grey Corner, Charlie, this is all podcast. This is all from the Keys and Grey podcast. Nothing of note was said on Be In Sports this weekend, I can confirm. First up, you can tell. Kesey has said this once, seen the reaction, and is now absolutely loving using it.
0: Right on the back mm. of the North London derby, yeah, yeah. with Mini-Me whining mm. with Shrevezy post-match in the Wouldn't tunnel. When you say about. Mini-Me, for people who might not know who you're talking about, you, you're insinuating he's a, he's a Mini version of someone else. He just, he, he, he for some reason, he's Fraudiola, isn't he, he <laughs> in, in disguise. <laughs> the two of them, are, they're, they're exactly the same, Andy. They, they, they believe that they're right. All the time. And that no one else can have an opinion.
1: <laughs> the irony not lost Fantastic. there on PZ. <laughs> yeah. Gentle uh, gentle descent
2: into hypocrisy <laughs> at the end there, Charlie. I really did enjoy Incredible. that. Incredible.
1: <laughs> He's also, what mm. was it he described Arteta as the other week? Like this irritating little man when, when yeah. he um, captioned him. I think Arteta is really getting into his bad books. What's he done Yeah, to this it? is an exciting know. development because once you're on that list, you ain't coming off it.
2: A, a rare, rare... Um... A rare opportunity, Dave, to hear Fraudiola said out loud. You really only ever see it written down. Yeah. <laughs> can't remember the last time I ever heard anyone say Fraudiola?
3: Yeah, and I didn't I didn't think Keezy would be that plugged into the footballing internet zeitgeist really to, he to have a fraudiola.
2: Yeah. Next up, they were talking about um, the use of mobile phones at sporting events and how it might be affecting people's enjoyments. And uh, Andy Gray offers up Formula One as a more conducive atmosphere for this. But Keezy can't help but do some one-upmanship. But I went
0: up. to F1 once, then at Silverson, I have to say, and I thought, oh, this will be really good. And I went there and I was just, I was opposite the, the, the finish line. So off they went, I think, brilliant. So I waited about two and a half minutes or something, then it, then it was just, it was just, vroom, vroom Yeah. vroom. Who was that? Who was that? Who's that? Yeah. Who's in the lead? Who was that? You couldn't see a thing. I'm going to be topper. Go on. I went to Monaco. Ah, uh, you—that's that's, topper. And that's top me. The best, best part about going to Monaco to watch the Grand Prix on the boat. Yeah, of course. Yeah, of course. Oh, of course. The best <laughs> part, the best part <laughs> of watching the Grand Prix in yeah. Monaco is there are big screens everywhere, everywhere. and it's such a small circuit uh, that you really can't lose uh, yeah.
1: the cars. <laughs> <laughs> that's that really not where I thought it was going. with The best thing about Monaco—that's <laughs> absolutely incredible. It's just in his
2: DNA, Dave. To, to come up with a better story than whoever's just, just spoken
3: to him. Keezy just watching the racing like a hawk yeah. sat on a, on, a, on a yacht in Monaco whilst everyone else quaffs champagne. It's, it's, He's got his little what? binoculars out.
1: It's so partridge, <laughs> the way he leads you down there. The best thing about Monaco, and yet you're expecting the yacht or the, the beautiful sea, is the, uh, the big screens. Incredible sight um,
2: Which of the current Formula One drivers uh, has the most Richard Keezy name? Let's have a look. George Russell. That's a good one. Charles Leclerc. <laughs> Lando Norris. Yeah. What about Mickey Schumacher? <laughs> spoke to Mickey
1: the other day. Sh- Shrevesy spoke to him. The boy Still Mickey. the best in the business. Yeah. <laughs> uh,
2: really enjoyed this little uh, one 2 This is uh, Keys and Grey discussing the uh, relative merits of Eric Ten Hag's Ajax side in the context of his impending move to Manchester United. And uh, they get into some real hard data here, Charlie.
0: So aggressive pressing has been a key staple of that Ajax side, yeah? Um. Which is a point captured by looking at their passes per defensive action. That's PPDA, passes per defensive action. PPDA is a metric that measures how many opposition passes are allowed by a team before a defensive action is made to try and win the wall back all you, right you you with me on this yeah i got you okay yeah, yeah. uh the fewer passes the more aggressive they are oh, yes okay That's notably i have obvious, a ppda yeah. average of 6.69 yeah, this season yeah, yeah. unsurprisingly the lowest across the eredivisie uh, for a comparison in the premier league liverpool topped this metric with a higher average of 8.49 mm-hmm. right. okay
2: so charlie what we're witnessing here is a progression from the proper football man reaction they would have had to something like PPDA back in the past, or they would have just d- dismissed mm. it. Now they're kind of entertaining it, but also sort of being quite snide in the background. Um, Grey very much
1: leading the charge there, I think. A huge amount of scepticism towards this. This does remind me of when yeah, when you introduce a concept to an aunt or something, and you're like, why am I even doing this? I know this is being met with so much scepticism, and they're kind of paying lips. service, like, hmm, mm, okay. And you're like, they're not listening. They're not taking this in. They did
2: at least, Dave, stop short of going. Well, you know, we used to just call <laughs> I, this closing I mean, down. Just, you know, we used to call this yeah. running around. Yeah,
3: <laughs> yeah. Re- <laughs> Revolution. Moving
2: on from this sort of discourse, though, I have to say, I mean, it, they are they are slowly come to terms with this sort of thing, Dave. Yeah,
3: because I think they know the tide has turned to such a degree in the, the wider footballing media landscape that they 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 simply can't ignore it. But they do have, as you say, they do have to just make it known that. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's yeah. in the office. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Yeah, that was
2: good. Yeah, you're right, Dave. The tide hasn't turned quite enough just yet.
3: You
0: won't just flick a switch and United be top of the... T- I don't think United be top of the table next year and, and Ten Hag's team are blowing everybody out of the park and they're having the... What was it called again? FDE? FD? I, FD? I, I don't know. I, I confused yeah, myself yeah, as yeah. I was reading it. I sure. think defend, Defensive XG. Uh, PPDA. Ah, PPDA. That's the one. Yeah, yeah. I, I like PPDA. I, I, I've, I've, I've spent, read, I read a lot of it last I've week. I've had many conversations yeah. in the pub about PPDA yeah, down yeah. the years. Uh, I, trust me. Good.
2: <laughs> that was it. The final nail of derision there. PPD. just couldn't hold out. Isn't that what masks? Masks and <laughs> gloves. <laughs> PPI. <laughs> oh, dear. Um I mean, but yeah they're slightly come to grips with it and that's that's the thing. There was a the thing, thing last yeah. week
1: wasn't there as well on In where we met I can't remember if we talked about this on the episode or offline um where with the young and uh, grey where Keyes was chucking some stats at, about Erling about Erling Haaland that was it wasn't it how he yeah. has very few touches and links the play mm. a lot and you know <laughs> that they were calling out Keyes for using too many stats.
2: Yeah, the great thing about that clip, and I didn't use it, but the great thing about that clip is um, Keyes is literally reading out somebody else's <laughs> article. In this case, it's uh, Barney Roney in The Guardian, reading out it word for word as if it's his own da- data in his own research. <laughs> it's it's actually quite scandalous. Yeah. Uh, and they're just sitting there, irrelevant, don't care, don't care. <laughs> And uh, it's, um, yeah, quite something. The second half of Saturday's Keys and Grey podcast, um, the second half is usually given over to a special guest. This week it was Mike Osman, radio (laughs) presenter and uh, accomplished impressionist, I should also (laughs) say. Um, This is where I've not got got no clips for you. You're going to have to go and search for this yourself because it would be really hard for us to kind of sum it all up in one clip. Um, Do search it out, and if you can get through the entire 18 minutes of it, you're a better man than all three of us because... As is, the, as is so often the problem when you interview someone who is doing impressions, the interview just becomes a complete charade, just a vehicle for what it is, whatever it is they want to do. Uh, Mike Osmond comes straight on with Chris Tarrant, <laughs> inevitably goes on to Donald Trump, of Chris course. Chris Tarrant? Showbiz. Has he been listening to our, F- our 2002 100 <laughs> Millionaire episode? Beans.
0: <laughs> Beans. <laughs>
2: Boris Johnson, of course, which Andy Gray and Richard Keys absolutely love. They are in hysterics. It's, it's, it's whole scampionships chips after dinner speaking atmosphere really going on here. And then Alan Ball for a bit. What? Not
1: very good. And then he finishes what off. Did,
3: do you have a squeaky
2: voice, Yeah. Alan? Not, the, yeah, yeah. not the best yeah.
1: taste and a bit of a, yeah. a bit of an easy target.
2: Yeah. So just to round things off, Chris Tarrant, Donald Trump, Boris
1: Johnson, Alan Ball
2: and Laurie McMenemy. <laughs> <laughs>
1: To be Uh, fair, that's knowing your audience incredibly well, isn't it? I mean Key's a great tailoring. All five of those they're gonna absolutely Mm. love.
2: But honestly, if you want to hear two men in their 60s laughing as much as possible for 18 minutes, um, that is the podcast for you. Thanks to everyone for listening. Thanks to you, David Walker. Thank you. Thanks to you, Charlie the Centurion Eccleshare. Well done. Thank you. Thanks for giving me the opportunity. Oh, my pleasure. And we'll see everybody on Thursday. Bye. So the champions
1: the athletic.